Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from New York State United Teachers, a union of professionals standing with more than 600,000 workers in education, human services, and healthcare with the Our Voice, Our Values, Our Union campaign. And United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. Your Governor Andrew Cuomo broke days of silence early this week over escalating accusations that he and his top aides deliberately withheld key COVID-19 death numbers of nursing home residents who succumbed to the virus. The Democrat apologized to families of residents who died in the homes during the pandemic for the anxiety that the withholding of those numbers created. More now from the Legislative Gazette's Karen DeWitt. In a rare admission of error, Cuomo says the months-long secrecy by his administration over the accurate number of nursing home residents who died of the virus created a void. He says in a toxic political environment, that void became filled with confusion, misinformation, and conspiracy theories. And he told the families of the 15,000 long-term care residents who died of COVID so far that he's sorry that it created so much anxiety for them. And now people are left with the thought of, did my loved one have to die? And that is a brutal, brutal question to pose to a person. And I want everyone to know everything was done. Everything was done by the best minds in the best interest. And the last thing that we wanted to do, the last thing that I wanted to do, was to aggravate a terrible situation. Cuomo repeated a defense first given by his chief of staff, Melissa DeRosa, in a February 3rd private meeting with top Democratic lawmakers that was later leaked to news media outlets. The governor says Department of Health staff were busy trying to fulfill a request by the Federal Justice Department for more information on nursing homes in what they feared was a prelude to a federal investigation. He said they didn't have time to also comply with requests by Senate and Assembly committees for similar information federal government took precedence over the state legislators' requests. I know there are state legislators. I've spoken to them. They said, well, uh, we're just as important as the Department of Justice. I understand their point of view. Uh, We gave precedence to the Department of Justice. We told the Assembly that. We told the Senate that. The governor's defense is unlikely to satisfy his critics, including Democratic and Republican members of the legislature. They say the DOJ request did not come until late August, and they'd been seeking the accurate nursing home death total since the previous April. Legislative leaders also say they were not told by Cuomo and his aides of the existence of the DOJ inquiry. The governor later clarified that the legislative staff was notified, but that he did not directly talk to legislative leaders. Cuomo also continues to say that his controversial March 25th directive that required nursing homes to take back residents who had been hospitalized with COVID did not lead to more deaths. He says that he agrees with a July report by his health commissioner, Dr. Howard Zucker, that concluded that asymptomatic staff and visitors brought the disease into the homes instead. 
Cuomo also defended Zucker, who's been a target of criticism. He says he fully trusts his health commissioner's judgment and believes that Zucker has always acted using the best scientific knowledge available at the time. I would trust Dr. Zucker with my mother's care. That's why I trust him with your mother's care. A bipartisan group of critics have called for a full investigation by the state's attorney general and the federal justice department of how the health department has handled nursing home policy during the pandemic. Cuomo says he doesn't think an investigation is necessary. In a statement, Senate Minority Republican leader Robert Ort says it was the governor who conducted a disinformation campaign about the actual number of nursing home deaths, and he says the governor on Monday failed to adequately take the blame and apologize for that. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Joining us now, Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Shartalk. Alan? For the first time, Governor Andrew Cuomo said Monday that his administration's lack of transparency about the scope of coronavirus-related deaths in nursing homes in New York was a mistake. By failing to answer questions from state lawmakers, the public, and the news media, Mr. Cuomo acknowledged state created a void that was filled with skepticism and cynicism and conspiracy theories which furthered the confusion, but he stopped short of a full apology for his handling of information about the death toll in the state's nursing homes. Your thoughts as this goes forward? David, look, the governor thought he was doing the right thing. He followed instructions from both the CDC and others, but it turns out that he was not open, and that's always a mistake because then things mount up. That's what happened with Governor Cuomo. Look, this job of being governor, especially during a pandemic, is not an easy one. You make decisions, you make them quick. But you should always be on the side of transparency. And let me say that there's really no reason not to tell everything that's going on in your organization. And that, by the way, goes across the board. It goes to all of us in the news media and in every other place. So it's good advice. It's what your mother would have told you. And the only way you can not be in trouble is if you just tell the truth. That's why Cuomo got tremendous grades, David, in the beginning, because when the president was lying about everything, Cuomo came on CNN and all these other places, and they played him every day, and he told the truth. Well, somehow that got away from him in this case. I think he's learned something here. I hope so. Sometimes I refer to him as tough guy Andrew. That's the mode he has to be very careful about. Should he have his expanded pandemic power strip, as many lawmakers are calling for now? No. Look, he's the governor of the state. The lawmakers obviously didn't want to come to Albany. They gave him the power. We still have a pandemic. He has expanded powers because they wanted him to have it and because he wanted them and thought it would be easier to run the state in the midst of COVID that way. So he got those powers. There comes a point at which COVID will be better and the legislative process will go on and he will step down a little bit. Whether that's at this moment or not, I don't know. But right now we still have a crisis. 
So let's follow that ahead. What if his powers are stripped by the legislature? You know, should he simply say the legislature has spoken and I'll work with them going forward? David, listen, <laughs> those legislators were as complicit in this as anybody. They couldn't wait to give him all of these powers. You know, there was COVID out there. Now COVID is lessening. Now they're beginning to feel their oats. But they took those powers and gave them to Cuomo. And of course, you have a legislative process. It should have equal standing with the governor. But don't tell me the governor came along, big bully Andrew, and took all of those powers from them because they wanted to stay home. They wanted to stay safe. And it's a bunch of BS that somehow they gave away these powers in the wrong way. You know what? In the end, Cuomo will give up those powers because they're not his. They belong to the legislature, too. But I'm a little annoyed with some of these legislators who couldn't wait to give up the power and who did just that and who are now somehow intimating that Cuomo took them over their dead bodies. No, they wanted to save their bodies from being dead. Well, and the Republicans certainly aren't wasting their opportunities. Two Capital Region Republicans have announced legislation to create a criminal penalty for violating New York's Freedom of Information Law. State Senators Jim Tedisco and Daphne Jordan say they're pushing the measure in response to the state's handling of information on COVID deaths. We know that legislators, governors, public organizations often refuse FOIL requests or delay them as a strategy to avoid getting out information they don't want out. That's right, David, and it's wrong. I mean, you know, it takes a certain amount of internal discipline on the part of legislators, governors, everybody else. And by the way, there's a certain amount of hypocrisy here because uh, you can't ask legislators for everything that they're doing or that the committees are doing. Now they're saying that he's too slow. That's true. He has been slow. He should be doing more. Every act that occurs in government should be transparent, and transparency is what this is all about. We can't be having representative government unless we know what those representatives are doing. That means the governor, and it means the legislature. Hypocrisy does tend to rule here. Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Shartoff. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was in Colony this week to announce he's prioritizing restaurants in a new COVID-19 relief bill. The Legislative Gazette's Dave Lucas explains. The New York Democrat was at Toro Cantina, a Mexican restaurant forced by the pandemic to close its doors six hours into last March's grand opening, the same day the state shutdown went into effect. Schumer says the Bipartisan Restaurants Act, included in the next COVID relief bill, would pump $25 billion into eateries across the country. Restaurant employment in the capital region has been down 50% in the pandemic. Pre-pandemic, the, the Glens Falls metro area had the nation's 15th highest density of restaurants. So that shows you how important it is. And some restaurants have about 80% of their revenues down. How do they survive? How do they pay the rent? How do they pay the insurance? How do they pay the mortgage? And restaurants want to keep their employees. A restaurant's an organic place. The chef or the under-chef, the waiters, the people who help clean. It's a whole thing, and you want to keep your employees. 
and they have, you have a bond with your employees. So you don't want to fire them. But if you don't have the money, what are you going to do? This bill will help solve those problems. Chef Jamie Ortiz owns Toro Cantina. We're amongst uh, a good amount of restaurants that opened outside of the timeline that would have qualified them for PPP loans. Um, so this restaurant in particular does not have a history of employment that went back in 2019, so therefore did not qualify for PPP loans. And I know of several other restaurants that are in the same uh, situation. So this would be a great welcome relief for restaurants in that situation. Schumer notes 54% of New York restaurants say they will not survive the next six months without more federal relief. He adds New York has lost nearly 4,000 restaurants since the pandemic began. Maximum grants would be for $5 million per individual restaurant. The money would go till December 31st of this year. And by then, we hope COVID will be pretty much past us. By then, most New Yorkers should have had the vaccines and the restaurants can be fine on their own. If not, we'll renew it. And if we run out of money sooner, we'll renew it. And this won't be that hard to renew because um, it's bipartisan. It's one of the few things in this bill that is bipartisan. I wish there were more. Schumer says $5 billion is set aside for small mom and pop restaurants. Grants can be used for payroll, benefits, mortgage, rent, utilities, and other various business expenses. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Dave Lucas. State and local leaders on both sides of the aisle are calling for New York to release funding to veteran organizations for a peer support program. Every year they press for funding, and every year the funding is released. This year's plea comes with a request that the funding become a permanent part of the budget. The Legislative Gazette's Allison Dunn reports. The Joseph P. Dwyer Veterans Peer Support Project began in Suffolk County as a pilot program in 2012, providing peer-to-peer support and counseling to veterans and their families. Democratic Ulster County Executive Pat Ryan is an Army veteran. We know before COVID, we were already in the midst of an epidemic of veteran suicide, over 22 veterans a day taking their own lives. And, And for me, and for so many here and on this line, that is deeply personal. For me to come home from serving combat, bringing all the troops under my command home safely, and then to lose one of them to suicide, to lose one of my closest friends to suicide, and and so many of us have these stories. I, too, have lost more friends due to post-traumatic stress than I have lost friends who have died overseas in combat. And this program saves lives. It saves jobs. It saves families. Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin from Suffolk County helped launch the program as a state senator. New York is setting the standard and the model for the rest of the country to follow. There are there are national commanders of veteran service organizations. They come before Congress. They talk about peer support. When they talk about peer support, what they're talking about as the standard about the model is what they see from New York. It's the Dwyer program. The call from Zeldin, Ryan, and others is to release the 2020 Dwyer Veterans Peer Support Project funds allocated to veteran organizations last year, but not yet distributed. For the Ulster County-based Hudson Valley National Center for Veteran Reintegration, this funding amounts to $91,500 for 2020 and $185,000 for 2021. 
Jessica Bugby from Ulster County is an Army veteran. I'm an Army combat veteran. I served in both um, Iraq and Afghanistan 15 months as a medic. When I transitioned out of the Army in 2013, I thought I had a plan, but in reality, I did not. I wasn't transitioned fully out of the Army. I was stuck in all of those experiences of the military. I was no uh, longer physically in the military, but emotionally and spiritually, I was still swirling around in the military. I was lost and uh, worse, I didn't even realize that I was lost. I was subconsciously searching for this community that I once had for a purpose and for my tribe. So what did I do? I joined the local fire department, which did provide some community and similar mentality of that to the military environment. However, it perpetuated negative behaviors and exacerbated her post-traumatic stress. She needed help. Uh, the Joseph P. Dwyer program saved my life, saved my family's life. Democratic State Senator John Brooks from Long Island chairs the Committee on Veterans Homeland Security and Military Affairs. Everybody in the legislature understands the importance and it's it's virtually criminal that we have to go through this this practice each year of, of begging, if you will, to put the money back. How how is it that we have to go through that process when everyone, everyone understands just how successful it is. Everyone sings praises of the program. Brooks says the funding should be released at any moment, but hopes they're not all back again next year because by then the funding is part of the veterans budget. The Joseph Dwyer Peer Support Program is now in more than 24 counties across New York. Republican State Senator Sue Serino of the 41st District has long supported the program. And budget challenges or not, to withhold the funds from such a critical initiative is truly shameful. And as we know, the Dwyer program saves lives and there's no other program like it. Joseph Dwyer served in Iraq in the Army, was featured on the cover of Time magazine, rescuing an Iraqi boy. In 2008, he died of an apparent drug overdose. Democrat Dee Dee Barrett of the 106th District chairs the Assembly Committee on Veterans Affairs. It's a battle every year to get it uh, funded. It is my priority. We've just done a letter asking for $8 million for Dreyer going forward for asking that it get removed from the Office of Mental Health. Others on the virtual press conference included the Dutchess and Orange County executives, as well as other state senators and assembly members from the Hudson Valley. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Allison Dunn. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustina. For years, scientists have been discovering cancer patterns in various communities across New York and the country. Advocates are now challenging the findings of a 2019 New York State Department of Health assessment of cancer patterns in Warren County. The Legislative Gazette's Lucas Willard with more. In November 2019, as part of an initiative by Governor Andrew Cuomo, the New York State Department of Health released a report that provided details on incidents of cancer in Warren County. Concerns about cancer linked to industry in the region have persisted for years. The city of Glens Falls is just upriver from Fort Edward and Hudson Falls in neighboring Washington County, where believed to be cancer-causing PCBs were dumped by GE into the Hudson for decades. 
but the DOH report, which examined data from 2011 to 2015, said an environmental investigation, quote, did not show unusual environmental exposures that could explain the elevated cancer incidence rates in Warren County, end quote. The report did suggest links between tobacco use, a higher proportion of overweight individuals, alcohol intake, and other factors, two instances of a variety of cancers. But on Thursday, advocates released their own study to dispute those conclusions by the DOH. Dr. Paul Hancock, professor emeritus of economics at Bennington College, is a co-author of the study. He points out that the lifestyle patterns associated with certain kinds of cancer are not significantly higher in Warren County than other areas of the state, excluding New York City. The percentage of people who smoke, he says, for example, does not necessarily match up with the higher overall percentage of lung cancer cases. Smoking, obesity, and excessive drinking are related as uh, causal factors to lung, laryngeal, and colorectal cancer. So all three of these factors, we believe, however, contrary to the Department of Health, are not only believe but know, are at or below the median of all New York State counties, exclusive of New York City. Hancock, along with co-author Dr. David Carpenter, a professor of environmental health sciences at the University at Albany, and Clean Air Action Network of Glens Falls Chair Tracy Frisch, suggested environmental factors are behind elevated cancer rates. Dr. Carpenter accused government agencies of ignoring the potential dangers of environmental factors like pollution. Environmental exposures as causes of cancer are uniformly ignored by our governmental agencies. Uh, now, it, it is very difficult to prove that a certain exposure to a chemical causes cancer. But on the other hand, we have overwhelming evidence that that is the case, and yet agencies ignore that. It was suggested Thursday that the amount of PCBs within the city of Glens Falls is unknown, with anecdotes shared of toxic PCB-laden oil and sediment once given away by GE, eventually filling backyards and coating roads throughout the surrounding region. The new report calls the 2019 DOH study's lack of any serious discussion of the possible role of PCB exposure in the region an example of blatant oversight. Frisch doubts DOH's willingness to dig deeper. I personally do not believe that the State Department of Health has, has the will or even the capacity to look at this in a multifaceted way and really um, scrutinize the environmental factors. They have not proven that that is something that they are willing to do. Frisch hopes that the release of the study will eventually lead to action, though the report does not make specific recommendations. The Department of Health responded, saying environmental factors, including PCBs, were addressed in its 2019 report. The department points to data from a study conducted by Dr. Edward Fitzgerald, saying the data were evaluated and summarized as follows, quote, air samples taken in the Glens Falls area in 2000 and 2002 showed that the average outdoor air PCB levels were low and within the range of levels reported for other research projects in the U.S., where there were no unusual sources of PCBs. Among the 22 industrial and inactive hazardous waste sites in Warren County that were evaluated, there were several that contained or had contained PCBs. The evaluation found no evidence 
suggesting that contamination from these sites was causing widespread exposures in Warren County that would account for elevated cancer rates, end quote. Many states and communities are working to adapt their infrastructure to carbon-free technologies, including electric vehicles. A recently released report ranks states, including the Northeast, on how they're enabling the use of and building infrastructure for EVs. The Legislative Gazette's Pat Bradley reports. The American Council for an Energy-Efficient Economy recently released its State Transportation Electrification Scorecard. It ranked California first, New York second, Massachusetts fifth, Vermont seventh, and Connecticut thirteenth in planning for and transitioning to electric vehicles. During a recent webinar on the report, State Department of Public Service Office of Markets and Innovation Deputy Director Zarai Hagos said the state has established a 40 percent greenhouse gas reduction goal by 2030 and net zero economy by 2050. Given how New York's electric sector is generally less carbon intensive than the rest of the country, we have to be um, especially responsive to decarbonizing the transportation sector here. We've set some really aggressive near-term goals regarding the transportation sector, which include reaching 850,000 zero emissions vehicles by 2025. And that's really been the guiding star for our near-term policy implementations. Topping the ratings, California State Energy Commissioner Patty Monahan says there are three C's that the state has determined must be overcome for full commercialization of electric vehicles. The three C's are cost, convenience, and consumer awareness. You need to like scale up the market to drive down prices. Through regulations, through incentives, we're trying to really build up the market of electric vehicles. The second big obstacle is convenience. And that is uh, building out an infrastructure for zero emission vehicles. The last C is consumer awareness, making sure that consumers are aware that these vehicles exist and understand all the benefits that they can provide. Hago said those three C's resonate with the efforts that New York is undertaking to promote electric vehicles. Focusing in on the individual consumer and enabling them to in a cost-effective manner, make a transition to an electric vehicle. Um, We have uh, $2,000 rebates in place for EV drivers. We've also, in the last, uh, I'd say, two years, ensured that every driver in the state has access to a special time-of-use rate that's designed for electric vehicle drivers. And, you know, equity is also a critical component of our climate policy. Um, We require up to 40 percent of our um, climate spending to be dedicated towards disadvantaged communities. The scorecard evaluated states on items such as planning, incentives, electric grid optimization, and efforts to assure equity for marginalized groups. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Pat Bradley. And that about does it for this week's show. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. For copies, call 1-800-323-9262. That's 1-800-323-9262. Ask for program number 2108. Or just listen to podcast on the web at wamc.org. And join us again next week at this same time. For more news on New York State government and politics, for the Legislative Gazette, I'm David Gustino.